Hello and welcome to another episode of Monkey Business, the podcast that really looks behind the actions and the habits of leaders and highly successful people to understand what goes on inside their monkey or chimp brain, how they manage to tame it, to become kings and queens of their own particular jungles. I'm Rosalind Palmer, your host, and I'm delighted today to be joined by an incredibly expert broadcaster himself. And my guest today is Dan Aston Gregory. So hello, Dan. Greetings. Good to see you, Ros. I had to look down because you you have one of those CVs that I don't want to get wrong. So I'm actually going to you, yeah I'm actually going to let you introduce yourself. But I'm going to just say that you're an entrepreneur, a strategist, and an activist. And we can talk about all of those, Dan, and really what's led your thinking and actions to be able to be described as such. But perhaps you'd like to introduce yourself to the listeners. Um, so that I can really hone in on those other wonderful qualities. Sure. So, well, the, the latter term activist is something I've taken on over the last 12 months. But prior to that, um, I've spent the last eight years since leaving my corporate career behind in 2012, forging my own entrepreneurial journey, which has provided many lessons. I've had several businesses since uh, that journey began Um over eight years ago now. Um, but over the last five years, I launched um, Unstoppable Media, which became Elevate Media. And we create thought-provoking content around world issues uh, and focus on how individuals can become the most um, actualized version of themselves. So they can transform themselves in order so they can play a part in transforming the world around them. Um, so we've, we've created content around all kinds of things from mindset to health, spirituality, world issues uh, and run a number of live events and uh, experiences uh, to help people uh, maximize their own potential and find their path in the world. And as you know, because you're dealing with those leaders who you're really elevating or elevating their mindset, elevating their impact on the world, being in that place, I, I remember years ago being on a plane and there used to be an advert for the Financial Times and it said, it's tough and lonely at the top, but at least there's something to read. Um, and that was their advertising strapline for a while. And I thought, God, that's so brilliant because I, I've been surrounded by those people certainly since the 80s and the 90s. And I've even been there myself. And it sounds great and coming out and elevating and being an activist. It, it, it often, you know, on a good day, that's what we want to do. <laughs> that world can be an incredible pressure cooker. It can be a scary place to be. So how do you navigate yourself through those challenges and help others? Well, I suppose my own journey, entrepreneurially speaking, has been a reflection of my own personal development journey. Um, carving my own path has taught me certain lessons about myself. You know, I've gone through extensive self-analysis and self-assessment to really get to understand who I am, what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are, what my values are, um, how my mind operates, what's my place in the world, etc. Um, and I've used a whole variety of tools to help that process. And then as I've experimented um, with those kind of tools and practices, I've then honed and developed them over time and used them as part of my work um, with with the kind of clientele that we've worked with over the past. Um, and there's a, there's a whole series of uh, life, important life lessons I've learned from doing that. And um, one of the biggest pieces of um, 
One of the biggest tools that I've really leaned upon over the last decade is journaling, um, which is one way that I use to self-inquire, uh, to understand what's going on in my mind, what's what's the particular nuances of any given challenge that I'm facing, what's my current thinking around that particular challenge, how am I feeling around that particular challenge, um, trying to assess what the kind of root cause <laughs> is beyond the surface level problems that I'm experiencing. And then trying to look for any patterns that, that could be occurring uh, in order to then develop a series of proposed uh, solutions or ways forward. So I've used a whole series of tools. Um, you know, I face a lot of challenges like any of us that strive to uh, push the kind of to avoid the cliche, but to push the needle to, to go beyond current set of circumstances. Um, so, you know, challenges are something that come along the way uh, frequently and actually in many ways uh, I've learned to embrace challenges as part of the growth curve that are actually part of the part of part of the process of, of altering that trajectory and it's a message that I try to share with others as well actually is that the the, 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 the further you shoot the the more the more challenges you'll face and actually they're actually learning opportunities they're growth opportunities and they're there to strengthen you um, and I very much experienced that in the last 12 months in the kind of path that I've taken. Yeah, I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Um, in the if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. <laughs> yeah. I, I've just developed an online course myself called The Realigned Leader, and I'm drawing on 25 plus years experience of having gone through lots of personal development myself and now sitting as a therapist and coach. It's not for everybody. And I suppose hearing what you're saying about I've, created this set of tools it sounds like a nirvana what have been the ones along the way that really haven't worked for you and what are your apart from journaling your really go-to turnkey ones Dan well I suppose to give it a bit of backdrop drop to that question um you know when I grew up I had no self-confidence I was very quiet I had very little self-esteem I had plenty of friendships uh but I was very much the kid who sat in the corner uh, and that 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 extended right through to my teenage years and even into my university days um it really it really took many many years of self um self-inquiry and self-development to to punch puncture that self-limiting uh series of uh experience barriers that were effectively holding me captive in my own body um and you know people wouldn't believe it now you know i did broadcast I've, I've spoken on stages in front of fifty thousand plus people and you know people think you're, you're crazy how do you do those things if if my five-year-old 10-year-old 15-year-old 21 year old one-year-old self could see how i operate now they would see a different person and in fact many ways when i look back through my past and look at the different iterations who, who i've been and now who i've become i almost see myself as different characters as i've evolved so I wanted to say that to pre-frame the kind of work that I've done to really come face to face with those inner barriers, those inner limitations, mm -hmm. those inner guiding thoughts that, that tell you that you're not enough or that, or that tell you that you don't have the skills or experience to do what you're trying to do, even if the evidence suggests otherwise. You know, it's those inner, inner voice, um, inner dialogue that, that prevents us from moving forward in addition to the fears that we have. And it's very interesting... Yeah, I was with my family at the weekend down in Devon 
And always when I speak to my parents about my past and when I was a kid, um, I go back to the space of when I was growing up and I had a lot of fears around things. I had a lot of external fears and that's largely stemmed from the, um, was that a very loving family and a very supportive family? You know, my mother was always very paranoid. She's almost somewhat of a hypochondriac and, and her reactions to my activity as a child mm, led to passed on as, as a fear. So those fears then manifested differently as an adult. They could be emotional fears. You know, I didn't have so many other physical fears. You know, my mother would freak out anytime she'd walk in long grass thinking of snakes. I, I, didn't, I didn't ever have that level of fear. But um, uh, it, it manifested in different ways. So in terms of the tool sets that I developed over time, firstly, you know, conf learning how to come face to face with my own inner dialogue and to be able to tune in uh, to the patterns of thought, the patterns of feeling that underpin the actions that I'm taking or not taking, importantly, uh, because many of the limiting patterns actually led to inaction and procrastination and perfectionism over, mm. over action and, and productivity. So, so the first thing I learned how to develop was a set of tools to, to self-inquire around what is going on in my mind, what are the patterns, what are the inner voice patterns that I'm following that is therefore determining uh, the, the, the steps that I'm taking. And that's a, that now has become an ingrained part of who I am. Uh, you know, it's a regular process every 90 days. I'll examine, you know, what are my dominant thought patterns? You know, what's, how am I constraining myself? What are, what are, what are some of the feelings? What are, the, what are some of the repeat feelings I'm having? Is, is there anger, frustration? frustration and then leaning into what do those feelings represent and what do they mean mm. and these are then tools and frameworks that i that have, have created not only to support my own journey as, as an entrepreneur and a leader but i'm able to share them with other people um, through the work that i do and things that haven't worked for you how you know what, what's for example what's that what's that been well it's, that's a great question um the the, the reality is um I developed a mindset when I was 29, 30 years old, when I left my corporate career behind, where I said that no matter what happens, as long as my heart still beats and my head still works, I'll find a way forward. So there's been plenty of things that haven't worked. There's been plenty of challenges, but not one of them has, enabled, has ever caused me to completely stop what I'm doing. I've taken, I've taken steps to evaluate and recognize that I'm on the wrong path. You know, there's, over the last decade, I've changed direction several times. So the biggest, the biggest mistakes I've made, the biggest challenges or failures I've had is, is, is the failure to learn from aside from the practical failures like getting in debt and screwing up your business and <laughs> borrowing all kinds of money that you can't afford to repay when you're first uh. starting out <laughs> that's the practical manifestations of, of challenges but the uh, un underpinning that really was the failure to listen to my intuition which is kind of almost finding different ways to scream at you to say this is the way you need to go <laughs> stop avoiding it and start acting on it so that's been the biggest the biggest problem for me and i can smile and laugh about it now but actually at the time it caused nigh on near on depression you know I, I was never i never considered myself depressed but there would be times where i'd be lying out on my sofa thinking about how am i what am i supposed to do how am i meant to move this thing forward you know as uh, when i first started my business i got myself deeply into debt it brought loads of stress you know it brought lots of anxi anxiety um and it, it really reinforced those early fears and limiting voices around not being enough it really forced yeah. me to confront that pain um until one day it just snapped and it just said and i said enough's enough um 
Uh, and I had to look myself in the mirror and say, look, Dan, you're six foot one. You're a tall, big guy, but you're acting small. Um, and this isn't who you are. Um, you know, you need, to, you need to stand up, look yourself in the eyes and, and start to recognize what's really going on here because this is not the path. This is and not how path. have you managed, because I've heard quite a bit in your vocab about say yes, drive on, go for it. I'm not a procrastinator. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to listen to my intuition and drive myself on. And of course, all of this is nirvana and gold, but equally learning to say no or not saying yes to everything and not thinking that you're unstoppable, certainly <laughs> yeah. in my experience, uh, yeah. is incredibly uh, beneficial. So how have you managed to create that balance of not maybe going for too many things? Well, I, the reality is I haven't. Right. <laughs> you know, the reality is I very much haven't. You know, it's, it's, it's where the, the level of intensity that I put into my productivity now, I call it, I call it, um, relaxed intensity you know it, it, before i would i would be pushing the needle i would just just keep going no matter what and i wouldn't pay attention to the signs that were that were kind of tearing me back i still fall into that pattern absolutely fall into that pattern in fact right now today i fall into that pattern I'm, today I'm, I'm at a point of exhaustion because i've i've got to that point where i say yes to too many things mm. um, my, my over ambition overstretches me um uh, and it leads me to to, to failing to actually uh, explore uh, and rationalize the practical requirements of saying yes to all these things or taking on too many projects or or or, or failing to uh, create a manageable set of milestones and deadlines and as a result I put myself under a lot of pressure and that is stressful um, and to some degree that mantra that I developed when I left my corporate career of you know as long as my head still works and my heart still beats is a detrimental force as well as a mm. positive force because in those situations there is this inner belief that says it can, it can be done you know yeah. this relentless optimism but that relentless optimism comes at a price. It comes at a cost, and you know it. It, it, it does lead me down to into paths of overwhelm, um, you know, stress, anxiety, and then you become you have to become reactive and responsive rather than proactive because you're so much, you know, you're so you're so deep into the kind of the details of the problems that you've you've created for yourself and i have to keep reminding myself that i i'm the creator of my problems i might have to do a session with you dan because uh, this is definitely an area of my expertise because i i learned the hard way i i managed to pull it off i thought i was the poster girl for having pulled it all off sold the business moved to the bahamas had a million pounds in the bank at 40 like yay go me and then my life imploded after that. So I realized for quite a while I was saying the wrong thing because I didn't actually burn out. I, I, I sort of hit the finishing line and kind of went, yay. Um, but clearly I'd spent so much energy and me and everything getting to that point that it kind of it came and bit me in the bottom, if you like, uh, mm. after passing the finishing line. So yes. Uh, be somebody like a long distance runner who passes it and then collapses about 100 yards down the track <laughs> that was probably more of an analogy so I never actually burnt out whilst within my pressure cooker life and business I, I did actually technically pull it all off but the damage came and found me afterwards so now I'm a massive advocate of your stop doing list and saying no and and I have clients who say 
things to me like if only there were 26 hours in the day and it's like well yes because I know what you're going to do with the other two hours so let's just look at it so I hear you and clearly that is a work in action but you're finding tools and ways of doing that oh definitely I mean I I have the say no list but I don't you know if if you look if you looked at my journal from today the guess which part I avoided you know it's the (laughs) the question what are you going to say no to today you know you know, it's pro- not knowing what to do, it's doing what you know, as Tony Robbins would say, isn't it? Yes. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's not even taking the time to say, what am I willing to say no to today when you're under that level of pressure? You know, it's... it's it's. And I imagine from knowing a bit more about you that I'd really like to bring out now is what you're doing is very important. What you're doing is very energizing. What you're doing is, you know, you're, you're driving that. So you are, because you have your own podcast series, the pandemic podcast. And I, I read the background to that, that you, you, you basically went out there. I, I saw your YouTube video and you just felt that you needed to speak up about there being one narrative basically and that you wanted to invite experts so it wasn't some sort of everybody sitting in a huddle as a conspiracy theorist <laughs> about burning yeah. down a 5g mask i take it but you you wanted an educated balance to the kind of rather singular narrative that was going on but the the point is you went out and you've done it and you're continuing to do it so how did you reach that point that mindset of going i'm really going to put my head above the parapet and speak out about this Yes. Well, it begins, I suppose, with some of my natural character traits, as I've always been naturally curious. I've always wanted to understand how the world works, um, which leads to a kind of relentless thirst and pursuit for knowledge and understanding, um, whether that's practical knowledge and understanding or spiritual knowledge and understanding in terms of ascending oneself, um, which means that throughout my history, I've always, when something fascinates me, I, I, I've... I've a bit like I did when I was a child. I want you know when I when the video repair man would come round or the video repair person. I uh, just happened to be a man back then, um, and and that he couldn't find a way to fix the the video repair uh, the, the 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 video player the VHS back then. Um, but I, my mind was just deeply inquisical around how all these things came together, and I, I just was able to spot patterns. And I was able to point out, even at five or six years old, this is what I think is wrong with the the VHS player. And the guy the guy was like, I think you're absolutely right, and he fiddled around with it all of a sudden it started working so so i've always had pattern recognition and curiosity as uh, as fundamental guiding forces Uh, i didn't realize it when i was younger i wish i had especially in my early days in my business you know their skills that are there but often we overlook our skills but but that that curiosity took me on a path last year Uh, firstly when my wife and i were going on our honeymoon we're flying out to asia we're going out to thailand for our for our honeymoon uh, back in mid-february um, I'd got wind of what was going on over in Asia and China at the time and was concerned to take my wife, my new wife, uh, to nearly wed wife to, to Asia. Is this, is this something we want to be doing? Are we going to be putting ourselves at risk? So my curiosity gene was triggered <laughs> and I began, I began studying what was going on in China, began uh, in-depth uh, reading around a lot of the data and the science that was coming out of China. And basically, having done that, um, felt assured that it was safe for us to go to Asia, you know, based on that information. Um, uh, and then when we arrived at Heathrow Airport, you know, there was uh, 
a lot of people wearing masks. So I was thinking, okay, do I need to wear a mask to get on the plane? Uh, we, we, instruct, we, we certainly weren't instructed to do so then. And I remember sat in the airport for an hour just reading all the science around masks and airlines and how it all works. And I was like, okay, now I've read that. It's, there's, there's no clear rationale for us to wear a mask on a plane. Uh, that was from the Civil Aviation uh, Authority back then, but you can't find that report anymore, which is a different story. <laughs> about where yeah, ev- one, one I'm sure you'll cover in your podcast. <laughs> which, evidence mysteriously disappears. Um, um, but, but, but nonetheless... I, from that point then I began um, off after my honeymoon uh, I came back and when we when we entered into a lockdown um, having read at that point an awful lot of material around the pandemic uh, in China but not just what happened in China but the history the history of pandemic management um, it, it foxed me how we were taking a, 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 this turn in terms of our policy response which was really n- so far removed from the classic epidemic and pandemic uh, policy response playbook that mm. uh, I became uh, concerned that we were going to follow a set of policy responses that were going to cause more harm than good. Um, mm. And it felt like we were having a very myopic, very single-minded focus um, on one particular area. And I'm known now for saying you can't save the entire forest by focusing on one tree. Um, but this, this curiosity went on, on and on. And in the course of 2020, you know, I learned speed reading in my mid-20s. I must have read over a thousand different articles, hundreds of scientific papers. And there was a growing gap, a widening gap between the way that the media and the government were portraying the situation and then the underlying reality that was in the data and the science. Yeah, and the science. So as that gap widened and widened, it got to a point where... I felt like I wanted to speak up, but I was suppressing myself because it was very contentious. The, the odd times that I had written something on social media, you slammed for saying anything differently, mm. uh, which is, you know, it's a, it's a detractor for most people because they don't want to be judged. People don't want to feel like they're being judged by others. They don't want to be called selfish or any other derogatory term. Uh, so most people s- continued to sit in silence, but that silence for, for, for was was you talked about the kind of pressure, uh, the the pressure uh, chamber. Yeah, it felt for me very much this internal pressure was building up because I was witnessing more and more harms uh, occurring around me. Whether that was you know business closures, whether it was hospital waiting lists growing out outrageously, whether it was the elderly not being able to see their loved ones, whether it was you know the school closures until finally it came to August last year when I saw images of children going back to school in perspex boxes. Um, and I thought, my wife and I weren't, my wife and I were expecting now, but we weren't at that time. We knew we were oh, planning congratulations. a Thank you. We were planning a family. We knew we were going to. And I thought, this is not the world that I want my child to grow up in mm. because there was no scientific basis to treat the children like that. And it broke my heart. And uh, it was just a point of leverage where I said enough's enough. You know, I'd been reading it for months um, and we've become obsessive in terms of our policy responses. So I said, I have to say something. I can't sit in silence. And and it it was a point of evaluation where I had to think about my professional reputation, my business connections, my client relationships, my family, my friends, because I knew it was going to be a contentious subject. I knew it was going against the grain. And I knew at that time, particularly, there was still a lot of fear around. But it was just a decision that I had to make. Uh, and um, it's one that I will never regret. It was a life-changing decision. Uh, my life has shifted considerably since I made that decision. I've evolved incredibly as a leader uh, in the in the last um, however many months it is since August last year, uh, since I made that decision. Um, and it's, it's, it's transformed my character uh, and even led to, uh, you know, f- 
making the decision to, to adopt the term activist because mm. um, I actually had, you know, when I, I when I do my journaling, I kind of write out my aspirational self, my, you know, who I want to become. And I've been doing that for years. And o- over time, you know, you start to morph into the character that you, uh, you, you seek to become. And I had to look at this term activist and think, am I willing to embrace the identity of an activist? Because I never had been before. I'd never been to a protest. I'd never been to a rally. I'd been politically minded and had fair play, a fair few political debates with friends over the years. But this was this was something different. Um, so I, I had to make the decision. It was almost like when I was a teenager when I started getting into heavy rock music. You, know, <laughs> yeah, you were like <laughs> identifying with it. I identify. Like, yes. is, yeah, yeah, exactly. I Do I identify? Yes. Exactly. Because even as a teenager, when I was looking at heavy rock, you know, people would judge you for being a rock fan. Exactly. But then you're wearing a black yeah. t-shirt. So yeah. I, haven't stopped, yeah. I haven't stopped wearing black t-shirts since. It's my inner rock, it's my, it's, it's my inner rock star that I never got rocking to Rocking it, let me tell rocking you. Rocking it, rocking it. <laughs> but it was the same. It was the same all over again. I had to make a decision. And it was like, no, I am, I'm willing to do this. I'm going to take this on and there's no looking back. So I'm really fascinated. I, I talk about the monkey brain, but there's there's basically three voices in our head. Uh, there's more than just the monkey chatter, you know, that one on, on your shoulder, which often is very negative. Uh, you, you can't do that. Who do you think you are to do that? But ultimately, we have three voices or identities inside us. We have the child who needs to be heard. We have the adult, you know, who is probably the one more shaped by society and societal norms. And we have the sage, if you like. So I would imagine, and I'm very interested to hear you tell me your take on this, that reaching that conclusion to step into that role of activist, to step forward, to stop the pressure cooker and to speak out. You've got the child who really does need to be heard. The child is something's wrong here. I've read all these studies, things are disappearing. It's not really adding up. You've got the adult, which is stop it. (laughs) Yeah. Clever people are telling us what to do. The people in charge are directing us and everybody else seems to be going along with it. You know, do you want to be that voice that's shouting the opposition do you really want to step into this arena and bring that much attention to yourself and then you've got the sage so I'm going to ask you about the sage because that's really about what you've learned through that journey but did that internal voice go something along those lines a hundred percent it was it was it was even up to the minute when I pressed record on the video that that went viral um it, it was just my inner voice was saying, are you really going to do this? You know, what are people going to think? People are going to judge you. People are going to shame you. And I evaluated all of those inner voices. And there were specific, there's specific people, there's specific people in my network, very successful business owners that I imagined saying to me, Dan, stay out of the political space. I imagined them saying it. But fascinatingly, when I actually took the action, one of the people that I feared response wrote in the comments, I've watched this in full, it's fascinating, good on you, Dan. He was one of the people that I was worried about judging me. Then another one privately messaged, again, both people that I specifically imagined judging me for this and saying, staying out of it. Um, People that I admire, they're mentors of mine, um, then also messaged me to say, I'm so pleased you're doing what you're doing. And it just gave me that reaffirmation that I'd made the right choice. That could have gone either way. But I think even if I'd had a negative response, and believe me, I've had a fair few. I can imagine. (laughs) um, 
and I've had to, that's a whole new lesson of resilience uh, and emotional um, balancing your emotional uh, integrity. Um, but despite all that inner voice of saying, no, don't do this, um, it just felt like I had to do it. And in fact, the sage part, I'll talk about that. I was, I was walking prior to this happening. Um, it was a beautiful sunny day. I went out for a walk. I try and go out for a walk in nature every single day just to reset. Me too. Uh, beautiful experience. I did it just before we came on here as well. You do know my book's called Reset, don't you? <laughs> no, I don't. No, that's amazing. Yes. And I wrote it three years ago, so I'm not jumping on the bandwagon, everybody. <laughs> nice one. Um, but I went for a walk. It was a beautiful sunny day. And there was this inner voice that said to me, if you don't do this now, if you don't step up and lead now, when will you ever step up and lead? Because I'd had many callings in my past where that inner voice, that intuition that I spoke about earlier on mm. was yelling at me to do something and to follow my path. And I suppressed it and I suppressed it and I suppressed it out of fear. Um, and there was this inner voice that said, if you don't take this shot, you'll never get another, you'll, you'll get no, you'll get no other chance. If you don't lead now, when will you ever lead? It was, a, it was, a, it was a clear message. You know, it was, I, I, I was, you know, I was walking meditatively, mindfully, and there's this clear message. Once I kind of let that message land, the second piece that came along was that a message say, you're going to experience some of the greatest challenges that you've ever faced doing, if you take, if you respond to this call, but know that each one of them is here to help you grow know that they're all there specifically for you no matter how hard they feel at the time mm -hmm. and it was just like i had this assurance it felt like this deep connection to my higher self it felt you know the, the beautiful sun was shining it was if it, it felt like a divine intervention um you know it's taken me years to embrace the spiritual dimension of my own personal growth but having done so it felt like a divine grace it just felt like i was being you know the higher self was being channeled channeled through me i had no barriers to to what was being transmitted and I, I just accepted it and I responded to the call and despite all of my fears I, I made the decision that I was going to step forward and do what I had to do and the ultimate lesson I gained from that was the inner freedom the true the, the real freedom inner freedom is, is is to be able to operate without the fear of judgment without the fear of judgment of others not it doesn't mean that I don't care what others think I'm still no. human still human but I won't I won't base my decisions based upon what I think other people may think about me. Um, and as, as a result of doing that, that's enabled me to, 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 to find my voice and speak congruently for the first time in 37 years on this planet. And there's a price to be paid, isn't there? There's a price of admission to that club or to that place, to that level of elevation, that level of, integrity and authenticity what's been the biggest price you've paid well uh, it has come with challenges you know that not everyone will agree with the way you see the world and that's but it's 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 learning it's learning how to utilize even that as as a growth opportunity as a, as a way to elevate your consciousness so it has it does in some it has in some ways but created some level of separation amongst uh, and and uh amongst some people most people have been very supportive of my network even if we don't agree and i think that's hopefully a reflection of the kind of empathy that i've tried to bring to the situation um but the biggest price i've paid is that i've had to let go of a lot of things that were part of my life before i made that call you know i, I had a very clear plan for the next decade uh, that plan has been shelved <laughs> and, and and torn up in fact, the, 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 you know, I've changed so significantly in the last 12 months that, that my entire future 
has changed as a result. Um, so, you know, I've paid the price of, of sacrifice. It's not sacrifice, but a lot of the work, a lot of the path that I was on, a lot of the work that I was doing to, to take me where I'd got to had to be let go of um, to make room for what, what is what is new and what is uh, on the trajectory that I'm following now. So um, that's a tough decision because you're mentally invested in things, you're financially invested in things, um, emotionally invested in things, and it's very hard to let things go sometimes. But when you do let go, often um, I've learned now that it's, it creates the space for, for something bigger and greater than was ever there before. And you've had to dig deep into resilience and grit. Yes. Um, how's that journey worked or what tips could you give for anybody else who's on the receiving end of uh, maybe not as much as you, but even anything? I, I see people absolutely lose lose it. You know, they get one really horrible comment on Facebook. And of course, none of us like that. So what's that journey been for you? And what would tips could you give to people? I suppose it goes back to the the notion that uh, that I made about inner freedom being the f- letting go of the fear of being judged. Um, it's it's trusting in my own intuition, in my own uh, values, my own integrity to to guide me. Of course, I will respond to feedback, and I'll, I'll look for every negative comment as a less, an opportunity to learn. But it's ultimately about not taking it personally. I think for over a decade, if not longer. I would any anything negative I would take as a direct criticism. I'd take it personally. I'd take it to heart, and I'd find pain in that. Well, whereas now, now I've reframed it as an opportunity to learn. It doesn't mean I don't. My mm. monkey, my, my monkey mind doesn't respond and go, "Oh, yeah. shut, shut up! <laughs> That's not what I meant." Get your banana <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah. yeah. But I believe that you know, I call it the boomerang effect. You know, if you if you respond with anger, you throw out more anger, and the angle angle just come back and hit you. Yeah. Um, so I, I, if someone is is is, there's the difference between valid criticism, which is potentially focused on a blind spot or a misinterpretation, or there's a piece of missing uh, understanding that's led to a. a different uh, conclusion um versus someone who is being animos you know someone is displaying animosity to you and, and i've had that <laughs> um and i just do, do what it, i just try and send love because um that in many ways is a barrier it's a block it, it stops that anger reaching me because i'm projecting love um but also my experience outside of this situation has shown me that if someone is responding with anger, they're usually in pain or trauma of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's normally a reflection of something that's happening it's in fear, their life. It? It's Isn't fear. It? Mm. So, and to me, love is the greatest antidote. So it's, it's, it's created these challenges. So, so number one, it's been about really understanding that nothing is personal, even if it feels like it. Um, it's not always true, uh, but it's 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 good to look at it that way. I found it's good to look at it that way. And secondly, in terms of the the, the the magnitude of the work that I've taken on now, some significant projects beyond anything that I've ever entertained in the past. You know, something that could potentially have global impact. Um, it's 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 really about doubling down on my own physical, mental, and emotional resilience, which means that. I have to I have to be willing to do what I haven't been willing to do before and that means things like asking for help when previously I would I would battle on alone yeah. uh, you know asking for help can be as simple as uh, having you know asking my wife to say would you mind doing this for me today because I'm really pushing the needle and I, and I cut up against it or it could be 
I don't know how to delegate this. I don't know if you'll understand what I need you to do, but I just need someone else to take this on for me today because this is happening. It, it's being willing to, to do things that, that previously I was not. Um, and that's my previous character that wants to do things to perfectionist standards. That's another trait I've had to battle. But it's being willing to ask for help. And uh, again, it comes down to being willing to say no to some things um, in order to make the space uh, for, for what's what's important. And historically, I would I, I would I would struggle to make those decisions. I would always feel like I'm missing out and or sacrificing something else. But actually, now uh, now I've come to understand the the the, 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 how the interconnectivity of things. Um, and that uh, sometimes you do have to say no in order to say yes to something else. Yeah, there's a great. Um, I used to go to a GC Oasis retreat, and on their wall, they used to have in big letters. Sometimes the best way forward is to retreat. So, <laughs> yes, it's a clever play, but sometimes, yeah, it's about saying no. It's about retreating. It's about creating that space. I think all of those things are really important. I, I could talk to you for the next hour and we'll probably get sucked into almost an episode of your podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. um, Because I did, I did see something that made me incredibly sad uh, without really just in terms of humans judging humans based on fear, which was a headline on one of the breakfast TV shows. I don't know where it was from. I just saw a still on Twitter where they were asking a question and the question was in the UK with 75% of people vaccinated is it time to ditch your unvaccinated friends and family and that just makes me so sad I mean it's wow and and for the media to be driving that agenda of fear and division um, just breaks my heart so yeah i'm sure we're on the same page on that one absolutely so, yeah i like to end with a couple of questions and i'll also love to end by letting people know how they can get hold of you which i'll do in a moment but what's the one question i haven't asked you that you'd perhaps like to ask yourself yeah so this one i try to prepare for but you can't really prepare for until you're actually in the session um I suppose the question that I wouldn't want you to ask is what drives me, because that's the one question that I've grappled with all my life and never really concretely being able to understand. You know, I found a sense of mission. I found a sense of purpose, but I can't quite find the why behind the why. So the question I wouldn't want you to ask me is what drives you, what motivates you? That was going to be my second question. <laughs> well done for asking it and answering it. Um, um, yeah, I, I, a lot of people ask me how do you on the theme of what we we're talking about how do you respond to critics um, and a lot of people are actually what they're really looking for is how do I persuade someone else mm. around to your point of view um, and the simple answer is to that for me is it's not about persuading others it's actually about listening first to understand their point of view. The great Stephen Tol- uh, Covey would sa- once said that, you know, seek first to understand before being understood. Mm. And what, what I see a lot of people trying to do is where they are in disagreement, they try and use logic and rational arguments to persuade. Whereas I think the first thing we need to be willing to do is to take ourselves out of the situation and, and seek to listen to others first 
and then if invited, give our own perspective. Um, because I think it's futile to try and persuade others who, uh, particularly if they're communicating out of fear. Um, you know, fear, fear, fear has a, a way to close people down. So I think a lot of people may find value in answering that question. Well, you've already kind of answered my second question, which is what is the question you don't want me to ask you? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I ask you for the details of where people can find your pandemic podcasts and other ways of getting in touch with you? Only that I do believe that this is a wonderful, we are, the, the pandemic, no matter what you feel about the situation, has offered the great, uh, the single greatest opportunity, I believe, for us to individually assess our own priorities, but also to collectively begin to address some of the wider issues that our world is facing. And I think it's a call to action to people to become their own leaders and to begin to lead change, not only in their own lives, but in the world around them. I think it's uh, in the way that I felt that respond to that call in that moment. Uh, my, 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 my call to you listening or watching this show is pay attention to that call mm. uh, and, and, and listen to it because when it comes, it's your turn. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. together, and together we can make a, a real change in the world. Well, thank you so much, Dan. And how could people get hold of you? So uh, most of my activity is at danjgregory.com. That's my pre-married name. <laughs> um, so that's www.danj, the letter J, as in Michael J. Fox, danjgregory.com. Uh, if you're interested in what we've got to say about the issues around the pandemic, we're on YouTube and various other channels, but you can just go to danjgregory.com forward slash pandemic, uh, and you'll be able to keep in up to date with everything that we're doing, as well as finding out all the other things we've got planned for this summer. And I think on a positive note, because I asked you what was the sage again, and, and I asked you about what was maybe the pain learning. On a positive note to end, what would be your biggest takeaway from the journey you've just been on since last August? Oh, it's just all about love. You know, the more you can expand love in your soul, the more that we can become the fullest, greatest versions of ourselves, but that magnifies and amplifies around the world. And if there's anything that this world needs right now, it's more love. Um, it's created the space and the willingness to find love within. That's why I've got that thing on my bookcase. <laughs> I love it. Great reminder. Thank you so much, Dan. It's been incredible. I could literally talk to you for the next three hours. Um, I'm going to absolutely catch up with all the episodes of your pandemic podcast. I'm also a seeker of knowledge and understanding. So it really speaks to me in all of that area. And I'm sure a lot of people listening um, who really do want to elevate themselves. And so it's part of that journey. So thanks very much for being my guest on Monkey Business. And you've been listening to Dan Austin Gregory and I, Rosalind Palmer. Do tune in again in two weeks time uh, for more episodes of really the thinking behind the habits and activities and often maverick qualities of great leaders. Thanks very much. <laughs>